Welcome to Inner Bloom, a podcast about spirituality and intuitive empowerment where we help each other evolve and ascend through conscious community. I'm Alexa, a healer who utilizes EFT, also known as tapping, to help you process stuck emotions, release limiting beliefs, and reconnect with your inner child. I'm Ambrosia, a psychic medium and Arcturian channel, here to uplift and inspire you to see that you are capable of more than you know. Together, we empower people to live extraordinary lives. We do want to warn you, if you hang out with us long enough, you'll start to believe in yourself and realize that you're capable of anything. Enjoy Enjoy the the show. show. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Inner Bloom. I am Ambrosia, and I am with the beautiful Deanna Riddick today. She is an author, a psychic, and a Reiki healer. So very excited to have you here. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I had such a good conversation with you on your podcast, and I wanted our audience to get to know you a little bit because you have done so many amazing things and currently still do so many amazing things. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, definitely. And thank you so much for having me here. I enjoyed having you on and having great conversations about wild things. Yeah, it was really fun. Wild psychic medium things. Um, Sure. So as you kind of said at the beginning, I am a psychic teacher. A lot of my work encompasses working with people, but it's always turned out to be predominantly women, which is interesting too. But um, I work with people and teach them how to connect to their higher selves, but also really connect to their internal spiritual gifts. It's been a long journey to get here. Um, I think, you know, we were talking a little bit before I was raised in the church. I always call it the church. Um, But, uh, you know, it took a long time for me to accept what I could do, you know, why I'm here and how I'm supposed to help because I was in the church like four or five days a week growing up. Um, I used to be in choir all the time. Um, I've been Mary, Mother Mary, all the archangels I played in all the plays. I have done everything I've tried to get saved by Jesus many times. Um, I've been baptized three times. Wow. And it has been such a very long journey. Um, and as you can see, like a major leap of faith to mm-hmm. kind of um, get out of that system and start learning for myself and you know, obviously there's a lot of baggage that comes along with that because many people who grow up, you know, going to church a lot, um, they are indoctrinated into a very particular belief system. And there's a lot of guilt associated Mm -hmm. with that. So imagine trying to overcome that huge hurdle of guilt, you know, Mm -hmm. and not being saved and um, all the stories that my sisters and I were told growing up about burning in hell for eternity and um, my older sister likes to joke, um, there was a pastor um, when we were young, how he used to tell us in the front of the church, how, you know, we would be in hell and Jesus is going to be there. But when he's trying to pour us a cup of water, the you know, the cup is empty and we're just going to be, you know, starving and thirsty and burning on fire. So we heard this all the time. 
Wow. Growing up. So I constantly had nightmares about it and I did anything to get saved. And uh, obviously I, it didn't work. <laughs> mm, that's, that's, I didn't grow up in the church. So I don't think I have the same, well, I know I don't have the same fear, but I, I don't think I have fully understood the level of fear mm. that that can take a toll on a child. You know what I mean? Yes. But to have nightmares that you're going to burn in hell for all eternity, that's so scary and so sad as a kid. It is very scary. I mean, it becomes your your focal point, especially if you're going to church so often. Yeah. You know, you're you're constantly being told the same stories. Yeah. Um, and even though they aren't teaching it to you in a so-called threatening manner, that is kind of the way it is. You know, do this or else, like here are the repercussions forever. And I used to like, even when I was in high school, I used to sit on my bed thinking like, well, what could it be like to burn forever? Um, because the place I was working at, I had burned my hand really bad. And I thought, God, I can't even imagine what that's like for eternity. Mm. And I would sit there and just think about it. And then of course I'm like, oh, I got to really figure out how to get baptized again, or <laughs> I need Jesus yeah. to get me this time. <laughs> and um, it didn't help that my stepmother's mother came to live with uh, my, my dad and my sister, um, and she's a minister. Okay. And she had us in the church so often, and she would remind us 24 seven that we were heathens and, you know, we weren't one of God's chosen and that, you know, God only chooses one church out of, you know, the entire earth. So we had, you know, we had to be that church. So, you know, I grew up believing all of that, but, on the other end, I could hear spirits talking in my bedroom at night. I could hear voices in my room. And I thought I was, I thought it was the double. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We got to back up a little bit here. Sure. Hold on. Because <laughs> I, I want to unpack this. So, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. So I was going to ask you, what are the types of things someone would do to go to hell? But now what you're saying is if you didn't go to the right church, even if you believed in God, you did all the good things you didn't go to the right church, you went to hell. Is that right? That's 100% true. There was only oh. one, there's only one church on this planet that God is going to save period. What an immense amount of pressure. It is. But to us growing up, that was reality. It was, wow. unquestionable. you know, so we, my sisters and I, I would say, I would say my older sister, she's ex extremely the black sheep, but, um, okay. <laughs> but for me, I really took it to heart and I didn't want to be left behind and I wanted yeah. to be part of the chosen. And, um, I did whatever I could to make sure that I was going to get past those pearly gates and being saved is a huge thing in, uh, Southern Christian churches. Mm. So that means that Jesus saves you and you're recognized as being a part of, yes, you know, those who aren't going to be left behind for the apocalypse or whatever, mm -hmm. but I did everything I could to get saved in front of the entire congregation all the time <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so because I was terrified. The whole time you are seeing, hearing, feeling, how do you, what are your clairs? How do you receive? So, oh, I can see and I can hear and I can feel, which is weird because I could never feel growing up. That's like, I think I've had that for like six years, but I never had that before. Okay. So it's weird, but it's good. Um, <laughs> but I could always hear and I could hear externally. So it was doubly terrifying. Yeah. You know, I could hear my name being called all the time at night. And I thought it was my sisters playing a joke. 
Mm. Uh, Cause sometimes they would hide in the closet and scare the crap out of me or under my bed, but it was not that most of the time. And mm. I thought it was the devil. So of course I would go to church more. I would try to get saved again, get baptized at a different church. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was just in case. Crazy. Yes. And I could always um, hear somebody calling my name or it sounded like whispers in the room. And I was just out of my mind, terrified. Oh, did you ever tell your parents that you could hear that? Like, um, I think uh, we had such a, my sister and I, my older sister and I had such a very complex upbringing. And I think um, with my stepmom and the step grandmother, if I had said anything, they probably would have shipped me away very quickly. So yeah. I just slept under the covers a lot, praying for hours. It was horrible, Um, but it was, you know, I thought maybe where we lived was haunted, but wherever I went, it was happening. So (laughs) it wasn't like the place, it was me. I love when people say that the two things I slept under the covers too. I don't know why, but under the covers is like a safety net. I don't know. They can't get you under there. And, um, also I love when people tell me, well, every house I've lived in is haunted. Maybe it's not that house. Exactly. (laughs) So when did you come to this realization that it wasn't the devil or that, you know, maybe, um, maybe the ideas that your parents had are incorrect, or maybe you don't align with those ideals. Mm. I don't want to say they're incorrect. I they're correct for them. It was a long time. And I mean, a very, very long time. It was something I struggled with, um, God until my, I would say until my early thirties and I just dealt with it. You know, I was, I just was always scared to go to bed. I was always scared to be alone in that way, but it wasn't until I was in graduate school and I was having such a difficult time getting through the program. Um, I just, I remember one day I was watching something on TV about like meditation and, you know, that was supposed to help me to calm down my anxiety and things, but I started to see things during meditation, Mm. (laughs) but I started to see pictures of children Hmm. and I was like, what's going on here? And then I would see it again and I would start to hear stories and these children were deceased. And I would have this experience over and over. And I was like, what's going on? Am I losing? I'm losing my mind. I'm finally losing my mind. But no, I wasn't clearly losing my mind. Um, Something was happening. And I really decided to take a leap of faith and do more research. And honestly, what kind of happened from there was I eventually, and this took a few years. I'm not going to lie. It took a few years. Eventually, I met my wonderful, crazy spirit guide, um, after much practice and much trust and a big, big ass leap of faith, um, Mm. because there was so much guilt and there was so much fear, um, for years. And then when I uh, met him and we started talking about my life and why I'm here, um, I started to trust a little bit more and it's been years of just constant trust. And then as I worked on my gifts, I started to hear all kinds of wonderful and then crazy spirits. Um, (laughs) And, you know, and it's not just that Um, I went to school for anthropology, but I love history as well. And I decided to just do my history on how Christianity kind of like expanded over the globe. Like, where did it come from? Why is this our dominant belief system? Mm. And that's really eye opening. That is amazing. Why can you give us like a little bit of where did it come from and why is it our belief system? Oh God, that's such a huge question. Um, (laughs) Okay. If it's too much to answer, it's okay. 
Well, no, I mean, a majority of the world was what we kind of consider to be um, pagan before, um, mm-hmm. I, I hate to say, like the emergence of Constantine. But um, most people didn't believe in the Christian stories that evolved because they did evolve over time. And I don't think a lot of people know that. But um it, it took a long time to expand across the globe. Obviously, we know there was a lot of forced conversion across right. the globe, right? right? So it wasn't readily um, accepted. And honestly, at the very beginning um, of its introduction into the Roman Empire, a lot of the scholars laughed at these stories. And of course, there wasn't a Bible yet, right? That still had to be constructed. But uh, but of course, um, you know, there was this huge agenda to unify people under one belief system. Mm. And it was not tolerated at its inception. It was very difficult, but it had to be forced. Mm. It had to be forced um, through a lot of laws that really infringed on, of course, the people's rights. They could no longer be quote unquote, pagan. I mean, that's a term that was also imposed on people and it didn't exist at all until they started to create this new monotheistic religion. So it's, it's, this is a very long history, by the way. (laughs) So exciting. um, It is definitely something that was, you know, against the will of a majority of the people. If you think about it, every um, culture had its own particular um, folk Mm-hmm. Um, folk religion, if you want to call it that, right? So it wasn't until they were forced to surrender their beliefs, you know, um, that this monotheistic religion kind of arrived and took a stronghold. But you have to remember, it changed the way people practice the, their belief system. Um, it changed their worldview. And of course, people were guilted into yeah. believing this one belief system, right? So when we used to have, let's say, a mother, you know, a mother creator, and then a father creator, we only have now the father creator, right? Mm. Monotheism. So that shifted again, people's connection to, let's say, um, the earth and their own creation stories. So this is very long history lesson for people, but um, obviously it took a very long time, but they had to brick by brick destroy the temples yeah. Right. That people worship that they had to destroy gods and goddesses that people had a very strong connection with as well. They had to destroy their creation stories. Mm. So this took, you know, a lot of time, but also on top of that, they did what's called religious syncretism. And that means that they syncretized, um, let's say, as an example here, um, the goddess Isis with the Virgin Mary, they syncretized their stories, but yeah. also their statues, they made very similar as well so that the people at the time could be more comfortable um, moving into this new belief system. So the Christian church was like, well, hey, you know, you know, even though Isis is a demon, because that's right. what they would her, like she's a demon, but we have this Virgin Mary and there are similar attributes, at least they're trying to make them similar, Yeah, you know, so it's more digestible to people. So they would do this globally. So it didn't just happen there in the classical world. It happened elsewhere. So they had a number of strategies that they utilize to get people to convert and to enforce their will on them. So I learned this through study, obviously, Mm -hmm. and that has helped me to see like, this is pretty messed up. And I, but what I understand is without that education, um, then people are easily, God, I didn't want to use the word duped, that's the first word came to my mind, but they're easily indoctrinated into a very spe- specific belief system if they have no room to question that system mm. or have the education or access to it. So I, I, it's like I can understand it because I lived it for a long time. 
One of my favorite ways that people can support this podcast is by checking out our Patreon. Ambie, you like our Patreon, right? Nah. No, I'm kidding. I love it. I love it. One of my favorite things to do is interact with our community. And Patreon is a really good way to engage with other people that listen to the podcast and that are interested in the same things that we're interested in. Like conspiracy theories. Like conspiracy theories, like ETs, like... um dead People celebrities that have passed away dead celebrities i really love when our listeners kind of almost feel like they've like solved uh cases and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah a lot of detective work yes it, we all feel like little nancy drews over there using our intuitions uh for i guess for our inter- entertainment mhm if you're woo woo and you love pop culture this is the place for you so Right now, you can get a free seven-day trial to our Patreon tier, which gives you access to all the bonus material, including celebrity spirit interviews, intuitive investigations, and we have a huge vault dating back years that you can get access to. So make sure you go and check out patreon.com slash podcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash podcast, and sign up for our free trial. It's amazing that um, your perspective changed, you know, into a different perspective, whatever that perspective is. I think it's always good to have multiple perspectives in a lifetime. So So how you have the relationship with your guide, correct? Mm -hmm. And how did you go there, from there, from that point of meeting your guide, trusting your guide to, I'm talking to dead people, and also, because that's a big jump, and also doing readings for people. Oh, God, it was a lot of practice. Okay. I will say, you know, I, I meet a lot of people who have this expectation that overnight, all of a sudden your gift is there and you're a master. Mm, That's not the case. You have to, and yes, obviously I have a lot of guilt, you know, that's coming along for the ride, but it was a lot of trust, um, a lot of reassurance from my, from my team, but a lot of practice. Like I had a lot of things to unlearn and learn at the same time. And that's really what I did. And it was more um, trusting in something greater than myself, you know, to really have my back and believe in who I am. Um, and reconceptualizing what I think, you know, the quote unquote creator is, mm. you know, I had to do all of that deep work first, um, to even begin to, you know, teach people <laughs> and, you know, as a, as a next step, but it was a lot of practicing with great groups of people who were very kind and compassionate, but also were there to learn who they were and why they're here, you know? And I think those are a lot of the questions that, um, you know, we ask ourselves, especially as we get older, but also as we have, let's say, health issues or somebody dies in the family or, you know, mm-hmm. anything that brings us to our knees, makes us, forces us to start questioning um, our, our lives. But it took uh, a lot of faith and a lot of trust that um, I'm not, you know, there was no hell, yeah. that um, Jesus isn't the only way, that, um, you know, there's something bigger and more beautiful than we can conceptualize. Um, and we're all a part of it. Mm-hmm. So it took a lot of um, years of practice before I could teach, you know, decided to even want to teach anybody. But my goal was to really help people remember who they are, because I do think that once we remember who we are, then 
each one of us can rise to the occasion, right? We can kind of change our worldview. We can shift our own consciousness to make us more, let's say, compassionate people, mm-hmm. kinder people, more helpful people. And the more people that do that, then we start to completely then shift the dominant consciousness, the prevailing consciousness, because that needs, you know, a complete U-turn. So that's always like my overarching goal is like, hey, you know, let's get down to <laughs> the nitty gritty and let's try to remember, you know, your true authentic nature, like what you really are. And then once we can, you know, begin to do that, then let's try to implement new strategies to, you know, be, you know, change your life, change your behavior a little bit, change your outlook, see things very differently, because I feel like that's the biggest task on everybody's shoulders is the call to see things very differently, because as you're raised again, you know, you're raised to see things in a very narrow way Yeah, that is convenient to you and comforting to you. But when you're pushed out of that then you are forced to try to, you know, reassess things, reassess what you believe to be the true reality. Mm. And that's where I try to help. I I, I hope it's successful sometimes. (laughs) I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Um, so what are some things that you, I have so many questions for you, but I'm going to stay focused and on topic today. Um, what are some things that you have noticed when you were teaching others or when you are doing Reiki healing, because that's also another energy work is like a whole other area, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what are some of the best experiences that you have had when doing that and that has really challenged your belief or that continues to challenge your belief? When I'm when I'm teaching um, psychic development or when I'm doing it? When you're teaching psychic development or when you're doing um, energy work? any kind of energy work? I will talk, um, energy work first. Okay. So I do, um, I do Reiki, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, universal life healing. It's, it's, it's a wonderful technique. I think everybody and their mom is doing Reiki today. So it shouldn't be new to anybody here, (laughs) but I actually used to volunteer at this wonderful, um, breast cancer clinic. Um, it's called Charlotte Maxwell clinic. It's the only clinic of its kind in the United States. It's in Oakland, California, and it's complementary medicine for women who are, you know, are undergoing breast cancer, unfortunately. Um, so they have like their chemotherapy, um, and then they would want to come to this clinic, um, where they're supported with all types of energy healing, uh, meditation, um, visualization, and the clinic is so wonderful. They also provide, um, a bunch of organic foods also for these wow. women. So it's a wonderful clinic. Anyway, I'm getting, you know, I'm sorry, I'm working for them apparently, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I, um, I would do uh, Reiki on these women who were undergoing breast cancer treatment. And um, it was an, ex- it was very eye opening for me in multitude of ways. Now, not all of the women spoke English. Okay. Um, so, you know, I couldn't always share um, what I was getting, but that was also a question for me to share whether or not what I was seeing, but what kind of started happening to me is that when I was doing Reiki on some of these women, I would start, yes, to see images. I never asked for that. Um, and I didn't know that that was going to be a part of the gig, <laughs> but I started to see certain images on certain parts of the body and the images weren't specific to um, the actual ailments, believe it or not. It was, it was specific mm-hmm. to the person. So if it was like some uh, something that they were very anxious about that was going on in their lives, I would see that. I, I'll never forget. I had this lady um, where she... <sighs> She was very kind and she, and if you looked at her, she looked completely fine. Right. But, you know, she was undergoing intense treatment 
And I'll never forget, I had my hands on her and I saw an operation, but it was like a young man who was having some sort of operation. And I was like, okay, I have no idea the relationship here. Mm -hmm. So when we finished, she asked me, she was like, did you notice anything? And I hesitated. I was scared. Like, you know, you know, you hate to get things wrong. Yeah. That's just, yeah. Everybody you know, hates it. all in that space. And yeah. I told her, it's like, you know, for some reason I see a, a young man who's undergoing an operation and she was so shocked. And um, her nephew had just had an operation and she had been very worried about it for some time. Wow. And, and she was like, you saw that. And I was like, I guess I did because <laughs> I, I was like, okay, I guess this is happening. It's weird. And, um, you know, I worked with her obviously after that. Um, so that was very eye opening for me. I thought, okay, something's changing here. I don't, I don't get it yet, but something's going on. And then I'll just say one more, a second lady, um, she was Vietnamese and she didn't speak English. So I couldn't share with her and I didn't know if she would be receptive either. Mm -hmm. Um, because you never know if people are. And, um, I remember having my hands on her and I'll never forget the vision that I had. And it was like, um, it was, it was her kind of like on a paddle boat going down this river. And it seemed like things may, you know, could have been bumpy, but they weren't going to be, she was going to go around the bumps, but it was very smooth. And I saw this beautiful like sunset and I saw her ease through her treatment. And I knew that's what it symbolized. Like she was going to overcome it and it was going to be so easy for her. And mm -hmm. I wanted to tell her, and there's so much, you know, again, fear associated with telling somebody something that big. Yeah. It's yeah. very impactful in your life. Um, but I knew that when I let, I knew for sure that that was going to happen. I trusted that because it was such a clear vision for me. And, you know, I, I wish I could have like sh shared and given her that reassurance, but I'll never forget. I had many of those episodes, um, thereafter. And it's something that happens to this day when I work with people, when I do Reiki, it's, unexpected, um, areas that I think, you know, I'm supposed to focus on sometimes I'm wrong and spirits like, no, <laughs> no point to the area, um, yeah. of what, like the actual root causes. So mm. I would say that has really, um, that has really changed me because medicine is very tricky. It's a tricky world to be yeah. in. And a lot of us just, you know, when we are sick, we automatically look to the physical and we want to get better very right. quickly, but there's something else going on as my it's kind of funny. We're talking about this, but a few days ago I was channeling and, um, you know, my, the archangels were saying, you know, when you're ill, it's not just physical, it's emotional and mental. It's Absolutely. all of those combined together. And to, you need to get to the root cause to understand where to start, you know, clearing and healing mm -hmm. right? where the healing really needs to begin. So I feel like this for me is like a very interesting journey. I've never been interested in medicine just to be very blunt. Um, you know, never. Um, but um, it's something that I've been open to. And it's something that I, you know, I practice when I can. And, you know, I, I, I think there's a lot to learn uh, medicinally, but also healing really does come from deep within. Mm. So I would say those were probably the most eye opening experiences that I had with Reiki so far. That's beautiful. That's so amazing. I, I've had, um, I used to work in hospice care. And I don't know if you've, I don't do Reiki. I think I'm like the only person that doesn't do Reiki right now. Um, but I, uh, I did hospice care for a little bit and I don't know if you've ever seen this or if you've experienced this, but, um, something that I couldn't explain at the time is when 
someone is dying and a loved one that has passed away will come visit them. And the person that is dying, doesn't matter what their belief system is, will see that person like we are seeing each other and they will talk to them out loud. And it's nurses have experienced this. This is like a phenomenon that science really can't back up right now, but it is widely accepted among the medical community. So it's very interesting. Um, that is. I, along the same lines, um, my original Reiki teacher, she used to work in, uh, do Reiki in hospice. Mm. And it's very tricky because, you know, <clears throat> people have this expectation that you're going to make them, them better, you yeah. know, and yeah, save them from passing away. And that's not the case. But um, I think that's a very uh, interesting point that you made. I'll tell you a very quick story um, along the same line. So, huh? I said, I'm here for it. I love it. it. Okay. <laughs> so a very dear friend of mine, unfortunately, her mother passed away last year and her mom had been, um, had cancer on and off for a good portion of her life, but she had asked me to send her Reiki, you know, from a distance. Mm. And I was like, okay, sure. I'd never like, you know, I, I'd never done it from a distance, you know, when somebody was that sick. Right. And so I, I sat down and as I was doing the Reiki, I could see, you know, so much about what was going to happen when she was, you know, going to leave. And I thought, oh my God, this is crazy. I've never done this before. Um, and the transition and how beautiful the transition is and, um, how it was going to be very eye opening um, for her. And, um, it, it taught me, you know, so much about just, <laughs> again, um, the fact that, it, or I would say it's a reminder that we really are just spirits inhabiting, you know, a physical form. Like this is really temporary. Everybody yeah. should really try to remember this as we take everything so seriously and we're super hard on ourselves all the time in this life, that this is just really, you know, very um, temporary. But as I was doing the Reiki, you know, I was definitely shown, uh, you know, where her, her, ailments were, but at the same time, what was more important was, you know, the transition process hmm. and remembering, you know, what we really are. And, uh, yeah. Um, and, and I will say just one added thing. So my friend's mother also started to get, uh, have sightings, excuse me, of her, of her, I think it was her mother, um, who was there as well, even though she'd been passed on for some time. So she would tell my friend, you know, I'm seeing so-and-so they keep her at my bedside and they come closer and closer each night. And, yeah. So yeah, very common. You know, that's a very common phenomenon. Yeah, it is a very common phenomenon. It's very interesting when <clears throat> science can't explain what's happening here, but enough of a pe enough people have the same experience that it could be very scientific. I don't know if people know, Ambi. When we started this podcast, I didn't think I was intuitive. Tell me more about that. Well, you kept telling me you're intuitive, you're intuitive. And I kept saying, no, I'm not as intuitive as you. I could never do what you do. I could mm. never talk to a spirit or I could never feel into something that's going on. Or I'm just making it all up. A lot of people yeah. say that. Oh, I've taught almost a hundred people. And I hear that a lot from people. Oh, I'm not as intuitive as this person. Oh, I can't do this. Oh, it's just my imagination. What if I'm wrong? If you didn't know, your intuition is not something you're either born with or not. It's a muscle that you can build, that can be developed. You just have to use it and you have to practice 
exercise. You have to practice, you have to exercise. And that's why we have created Superbloom, an intuitive development community that includes a 12 module course that you can do at your own pace, as well as weekly coaching on Zoom with us and your peers that you can join at leisure and the opportunity to practice with the other members of the community and build strong bonds and safe spaces so that you feel safe to really explore this part of you that you've always had. You just might not be so familiar with it. And that's the best part of Superbloom is being in a community with other people that are in the same area of their spiritual journey as you are, and you're figuring it out together. And Alexa and I are the little flashlights that are showing you the way. Ambie and I created Superbloom knowing that our community is full of intuitives that might be downplaying their abilities, that might believe that they can't do this, just like me. I didn't think I could, and now I'm doing readings for lots of people every week and I love it and it's made my life so full. So if you're interested in joining Superbloom, we offer class equitable sliding scale pricing. What does that mean? That means that you get to pay a price that is appropriate for your current lifestyle. We don't ask any questions. We ask you to put yourself in a certain tier depending on your life circumstances and you can pay the price that applies most to you because we want to create an inclusive and diverse community full of people at all different stages of life who are coming together with the common goal of developing their intuition and building that community. So if you're interested in joining, you can go to innerbloompodcast.com slash superbloom and that will give you access to the different scales we offer, the different pricing tiers we have, everything that's included when you sign up for Superbloom. And I absolutely love the ability to blow people's minds and let them know that they are intuitive, they are not crazy, and that they absolutely can tap into their own magic in this life. We can't wait to watch you realize how magical and powerful you are in Superbloom. See you there. So tell us a little bit about, you said you're an author. Tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about um, what you've written. I'd love to hear about that. And I know sure. you have Oracle cards too. Um, oh, sure. Um, not to sound too redundant. So my book really is like how, um, I know you asked earlier, how did I get to this point? Yeah. And it's, it really, um, it's my journey essentially in terms of how I was kind of able to overcome some of this, my indoctrination is the only word that comes to mind is how I just learned to trust in something completely different than how I was raised. Because I think that um, a lot of people, you know, really are Christians, you know, Mm -hmm. I think we need to remember that a lot of people, um, when they're kind of starting to dabble into new age stuff, they they have so much um, fear and worry. Um, and I understand those fears and worries because I was raised that way. And it's very difficult to disentangle yourself from still the same, you know, the stories that you were told, the guilt that was imposed upon you. And it's, it's hard to, you know, it feels like you're abandoning something, you know, and it's hard Mm -hmm. to let that go as well, because it is a part of you, especially the longer you're in it, the harder, um, the harder it gets to, to leave. And it's not just that as well when your family, you know, is, is very deeply involved, then they, they 
either don't want to talk to you, you know, anymore because, you know, the devil's got a hold of you all of a sudden, um, you know, or they don't want to associate themselves with you. So I felt like, you know, there's a small part of my family who was like that, who doesn't trust me or what I do, or, you know, they believe yeah. that I'm in the devil's grips <laughs> today. Um, but yes, in my book, I do talk about like how I, you know, what my struggles were and what those really looked like, but also some of the brighter experiences that I had in opening up my eyes to something different and opening really my heart to something greater. You know, when I was at the beginning and I really struggled to let go, um, I remember one of the archangels was telling me, you know, we, um, I'm trying to remember exact, the exact phrase. He said that, um, you know, man has created God in his image. And that's what he told me. And he told me to ponder on this for a long time. And that's when I had to really do a lot of historical research, you know, which again, helps you if you're trying to transition to something very different is like, well, here's all the evidence. It's kind of right here for you for the taking, Mm -hmm. you know, but for a lot of people, when you are, uh, when you're in a very specific denomination, you're not allowed to question what you've been taught. Right. And, um, my grandmother, uh, she always told me when I would ask questions, you know, you're never supposed to put a question mark where God has put a period. So I wasn't allowed to ask any questions, even though I had many. So these are things, you know, I talk about in my book and, you know, um, how really, and truthfully, how I like to say that my spiritual team really helped me, um, get a new perspective on Mm. not just, you know, that part of my life or those belief systems, but kind of looking at myself a little bit differently as well, you know, Mm -hmm. and having more faith in myself, because I do think when you transition out of a very particular belief system, you have to, you really have to have a lot of faith in yourself and a lot of courage. Um, because you know, it's, it's very difficult move, but that's really what I talk about in my book y'all. And I would say in the last, the very last part is just, um, a lot of techniques because one of my strengths I'd like to say is teaching people how to develop their gifts. Mm. I'm very technique heavy, but I also come from a very teaching background, so I can't help it. But I do, you know, I teach you everything pretty much that I know. Mm. Uh, you know, many people, they want their third eye open tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm like, no, that could take a while. But I, I still teach you things that you can actually practice on a day-to-day basis to start growing your gifts. So that's pretty much, I would say the basis of my book. I love that. That's beautiful. I'd love to know <clears throat> what your thoughts are on the pandemic in regards to, I know it sounds a little obscure, but in regards to, um, I feel like in the spiritual community mostly, and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like in the spiritual community, there was a lot of othering. There was a lot of, if you do this, then you're wrong and don't be like those other people. Right. And so it was, I, okay. So I see your face. Um, what I've noticed during the pandemic was the vaccine was big and there were two, two groups of thoughts, right? There was the vaxxers and the anti-vaxxers. And if you were a vaxxer, then the anti-vaxxers were bad. And if you were an anti-vaxxer, then the vaxxers were bad. Right. And then there was also this, at the same time, there was this idea of 3D, 5D, right? And 3D is here and it's the bad place. And 5D is the better place. And if you don't do this, this, and this, then you're not going to go to 5D. And personally, I was like, this is all religious bullshit right here. And I don't understand how nobody can see this. Or it feels like nobody can see this because 
what we're doing is creating a hierarchy situation. And we're saying the people over here are good and right, but these people aren't going to go to the good and right place. So did you, do you feel that way? If you don't, that's totally fine. But I, I'm curious coming from your background, what are your thoughts on that? Oh man, um, it's a big question. So I think just overall, people are easy to judge no matter what you do. That's fair. You know, and um, it's, it's just, I think, unfortunately, part of the human condition, <laughs> you know, to, to assess people. I, I think on a personal level, I have kind of a problem um, and I hope I'm not varying a little bit, you know, off track here, but I, I think I personally have a little bit of a problem with these discussions, these ongoing discussions about 5D, um, the fifth dimension. I think what disturbs me um, is the existing belief that, you know, <laughs> I, yes, I think that people have this belief that there's a hierarchy of spirituality. And yeah. yes, if you do certain things, then you're, you know, in, you know, in fifth dimensional consciousness. And so you're better than the rest of the people mm-hmm. that are here. And that mm-hmm. is very problematic to me in a number of ways. Number one, I personally don't believe that 5D is a place. I do think it is a state of consciousness and awareness that you can choose to occupy at any time. But also, I think that many people equate it with a state of enlightenment, um, like this constant state of enlightenment, which I also do not believe in personally. Yeah. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I, I don't like these false comparisons Mm -hmm. that um, people have. I think everything has its place. And, um, you know, the, the, I think one of the most beautiful things about quote unquote, I guess we can call it spirituality is the, uh, you know, the freedom to choose Yeah, and the freedom to be. And um, I think, God, it's a, that's such a hard, this is such a hard question um, to ask. You know, I make no judgment on somebody's decision. Um, and I don't, I personally do not think that one person is better than another. You know, anybody can acquire um, information. Anybody can acquire knowledge. Um, anybody can espouse it, but living it is a whole other territory. Yeah. And, um, you know, 3D has its place here has its place. There's a reason why we're here in the physical form. Um, But you can choose to occupy a specific state of awareness while in physical form at any moment in time. So um, I don't know, it's very difficult. It's very difficult question uh, to, to answer. I will just sum it up and say, you know, everybody has the freedom to, to choose. But I, I think that once you start comparing, you know, each other, Mm-hmm. then, you know, you have to ask yourself, you know, what is, what is the place for that? Why are we doing that? You know, what is there to be gained by, by, I I, I don't know, comparing yourself against someone else, putting yourself in a higher position than someone else, you know, Absolutely. and all of it has to just go with your personal belief system. I personally believe we're all equal, mm-hmm. uh, regardless of what you do or do not do, which I know that's a very hard thing to digest for a lot of people because, yeah. We do live in a state of duality. Like I'm fully conscious of that on many levels, but uh, a lot of this just goes back to your own personal belief system. But sometimes I do think that, uh, God, I don't know why the word corruption just came to my head. No, I mean, I think it fits. I agree. (laughs) I think that I, I agree with you. I think it's a way of, in my opinion, anytime you other people right? You dehumanize them in some way mm-hmm. and you look yeah. for a way to judge them and dehumanize them. That's part of the problem. 
And we are all human beings having a human experience, doing the very best that we can with what we have at the time. Exactly. And I, I'm, in, I'm in full agreement. Sometimes I think in this community, you know, people, there's a lot of um, people, God, I'm already, look, I'm judging you guys. I'm already judging. <laughs> <laughs> I already messed up when we me hang up, but. Um, <laughs> we'll redo it. We'll redo it. Yes. Delete, delete. <laughs> you know, I think there are a lot of people who talk about, uh, you know, they, they think they're enlightened and I hate to use that yeah. word, but you know, I'm an enlightened person. Therefore, you know, I know everything and I do everything right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that people can be very surfacey and they're not willing to do the deep inner work that it yeah. takes to, you know, again, to unlearn what you learn and to learn and be open to learning something new. All of life is a lesson. There is no point where you're always going to be quote unquote at the top or, you know, there's no continuous state of enlightenment that does yeah. not exist. Yeah. You know, um, and some people just have that belief about themselves as if they've reached the mountaintop and that's the end, right? Mm. Clearly that's not the end or else you wouldn't still be here. Right. Um, you're here to always learn and evolve, but the universe continuously evolves. Everything is in its constant state of evolution, no matter what you think you've achieved, right. No matter, you know, what, what you've learned at that moment, there's always something more to learn and to grow. That's all of us. It doesn't matter your race, class, gender, economic status, or religious background. It applies to every single spirit that's here. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. I love it. I love that you're fired up about the question too. I'm glad <laughs> I asked because it, it really shows um, your character and it really shows how authentic you are as a person. So oh, well, you're very kind. I just, on it, I just really do think that it's sometimes, yes, being in this community can be a little bit difficult. Absolutely. You know, I think there's a lot of dissociation between um, spirituality and then what's happening on the planet mm. as if it's its own, you know, silo. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. It was like, everything yeah. is intertwined and people get very, very hostile with me. If I talk about, you know, politics or yeah. the economy or, um, I don't know, refugee status, like anything like that, yeah. people, you know, you're, you're done. You're no longer legit. You're no longer, you know, love and light all of a sudden, you know, let's toss you to the side. Let's go find that, you know, rosy rainbow butterfly person. Well, go find them. You know, <laughs> I agree. I agree. I'm, I'm not the rosy rainbow butterfly person. I like to curse a lot. And sometimes my opinions are wrong and my beliefs are wrong. Right. And we're not all going to agree on the same thing and that's okay too, but I'm not going to be a bitch about it. I'm going to respect your beliefs. And I think that's the moral of the story is to respect everybody's beliefs. It's, you know, we're all coexisting and we're all in specific states of learning and we're, you know, we're in this one little planet, (laughs) you know, with different states of consciousness, always interacting all the time. And that's what makes it so hard, but we're still here for the experience. Yeah, exactly. So I've never asked this question before. I don't know why I'm asking it, but I'm asking it. What is your two questions? What is your favorite thing to do? (laughs) And um, what is a practice that you have daily, a daily practice that you have? Sure. My favorite thing to do. Oh God, I'm going to tell the truth. So um, I'm definitely a romantic at heart, um, but romantic stories, you guys. So I actually write little um, 
very his, historical, <laughs> historical fiction. Um, so I write little stories. Um, do you write this it. under another name? I sure do. I saw that about you. I saw that about <laughs> you. That's so exciting. Okay. I do. I love to do it. Um, I'm a weirdo and I love, you know, 19th century England and East coast, like New York. I don't know why. Um, Maybe and, you were there uh, in another life. Probably. So I love to write little, little stories. Uh, that's a big thing for me. And then um, what was the second question? What's a daily practice you have? Ah, okay. I think this will be helpful for, uh, for many people. And, you know, it's so funny because my guide's probably like, you shouldn't be doing this crap daily, but it it's helpful. So you asked me about um, my Oracle cards, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And yes. the Oracle cards are just about the high, you know, connecting you to your higher self. So really they just act like as a conduit so you can communicate with your higher self. Um, one practice I have is talking to my higher self now that. without the cards. But, um, and this is something I teach to students all the time. It's one of the first things I teach. Um, and that's having like a full-blown conversation with my higher self, you know, mm. about anything that's on my mind or what's really bothering me and what I really need some help with. Mm. And it comes through writing and you can call it automatic writing. Sure. Um, you can call it intuitive writing, whatever title you want to give it is fine, but it's sitting down and talking to her and getting her thoughts on what she really wanted to accomplish here. which is such a strange thing for me because, you know, in my mind, I'm like, no, I'm going to be a 21st century writer on historical fiction and (laughs) this, that, and the other. And she's like, no, (laughs) (laughs) actually you're not. Yeah. Yeah. Reality check. Uh, here's what I came to do. Here's my list. I'm like, but here's my list. Um, so I sit down and communicate with her just about life, you know, things that probably I need to heal things that bother me and ways that, Um, I need to still grow things like that. So I always recommend to people, you know, sit down and talk to your higher self and get to the root of the issues. Or if you feel so lonely, all you have to do is talk to your higher self and he, she will, they have a lot to say. Mm, That's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. Is there anything that's on your heart that you want to share before we leave? Oh my goodness. Um, about the world or just in general, just anything. I mean, don't stub your toe, whatever you want to tell people. (laughs) Um, I always say, you know, believe in yourself it's very generic and I understand that, but it is very important to me as a human that everybody really does have more faith in themselves. I think that we live in a society that is more discouraging than uplifting. Mm. And I think that we have a tendency to use harsher words in reality. Um, yep. and I think we all forget that we're all connected. So there's a ripple effect to how you, to your behavior. So the only thing I can say is really believe in yourself and be kind. Um, it will change your life. That's beautiful. And where can people find you? Oh God. Um, well, <laughs> kind of MIA cause I'm writing another book. Oh, um, lovely. I'm almost okay. done. Thank you, God. Cause I cannot look at another page, but, um, you can find me at, on my intuitive awakening podcast, uh, yes, new episodes are coming. Sure. Um, you can find me also, um, infinite supply.org is my website and, um, trying to think how else, I think those are the main two places you can really find me. You guys, I'm really not a huge social media person. I do have an Instagram, but my God, um, I'm writing stories. What can I say? That's amazing. (laughs) Um, and we will link that to the show notes. If you're listening to this, um, Deanna, thank you so much for being here. It was amazing chatting with you. You are such an amazing human. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And of course. Um, we'll do this again soon. 
Yes, definitely. All right, everybody. Until next time, keep on blooming. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we would love, love, love it if you would leave a rating and review on Apple iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you would like to get in touch for a reading with Ambie, an EFT session with Alexa, or just to say what up, you can email us at innerbloompodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at innerbloompodcast. Podcast.